Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, February 18th, 2020, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. And just to remind you, we have changed our format to every other Tuesday, so the next show after tonight will be March 4th. And this allows us more time to focus on our clients. And Mercury is retrograde now for the next three weeks, and you can learn about that online, but basically it's not a good time to buy um, electronics or start anything new or sign contracts unless you were born with Mercury retrograde. So our special guests this evening... Um, are from the Path of Self-Love School, which is a social impact organization teaching people how to create a strong inner foundation of self-love. They train people worldwide, including psychotherapists, coaches, and healers. The self-love tools are used with youth, spiritual seekers, at uh, corporate and women's empowerment trainings, and more. Their mission is to make the medicine of self-love accessible and attainable. So within three generations, every child born is connected uh, to love and stays connected to that love. And they have the power within to stay true to themselves, trust themselves, feel loved, supported, cared for, safe and strong. The founder, Christine Arillo, um, MBA, is a transformational leadership advisor, teacher, and author dedicated to personal, social, and generational transformation. She has a unique ability to translate deep wisdom into practical, accessible tools that empower others to lead their lives, careers, organizations, and relationships differently. She hosts a weekly podcast called Feminine Power Time. Turn off the chatter and turn, tune into what matters. Lee Guthrie, our other guest, is a self-love teacher and founding director of, t- of teacher training at the Path of Self-Love School. Her passion is inspiring and guiding people to live in alignment with their heart and soul and holding space for their personal growth. You can visit their website, which is pathofselflove.org. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy, Jada, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here and you'll get our weekly show notice. Um, Well, actually, it's bi-weekly now um, if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself, and coming soon with Rebecca also. 
And please be aware that due to a massive global starseed activation, our waiting lists are now at about six months until we get our new astrologers trained. It's great news for the planet, but we do need to expand our team to meet the demand, so your understanding and patience is much appreciated. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar turn timing, and that only takes a few days. But if you want the stage two interpretation of that chart, you need, you need to order it at least uh, six months ahead to make sure that you get it in before uh, your 10 hours starts. So first up this evening is Anastasia with the Starseed News, and I'm looking for you on the switch. Oh, there you are. Hang on a second. Hang on. Okay, I'm going to get all these buttons clicked here. All right. Hey, Anastasia. Anastasia, hello. We can't hear you. Oh, good evening, Arielle. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Hello. Good. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank okay. About that. Thank you for the applause. It's great to be with you. <laughs> well, it's February. It's the 18th of February. The next time we're going to talk is going to be March, and I have to say that while it is February, we can taste the full joy of anticipation because spring's standing at the gate with her finger on the latch, and won't we be happy when the bulbs begin to come up and the birdies return to their nests? I'm really looking forward to it, and I know you all are too. It's good. It's February finally. Well, we've had lots of uh, strange and intense weather across the planet. There is a, a, a storm called Storm Dennis, the second strongest bomb cyclone on record in the North Atlantic. Um, it has caused widespread flooding across the parts of the United Kingdom uh, as late as Sunday, along with winds exceeding hurricane force. That storm produced waves up to 80 feet tall, dumped more oh, than wow. five inches of rain in South Wales. The resulting flooding prompted numerous evacuations and even cut off some communities because of flooding. The country's environmental agency issued a record number of flood warnings, 594 for a single day, from Storm Dennis, the bomb cyclone. Wow. And we are learning now out of India that India is suffering a dramatic decline of its bird population. They tell us that over one-fifth of India's, India's bird diversity has suffered strong long-term declines over a 25-year period, while more recent annual trends point to a drastic 80% loss among several common birds. A new scientific report jointly released by 10 organizations released this information just yesterday. They say the birds face a growing threat from lo loss of habitat due to human activity widespread presence of toxins, including pesticides, of course, from hunting and trapping for the pet trade. Yikes. Well, in Iceland, man, have they had it. They've had hurricane winds of 160 miles per hour that was recorded by a weather station in Iceland. They, it was so bad that this warning for Iceland uh, went to the United Kingdom uh, they anticipated interruptions of their ferry uh, travel and power outages in the U.K. because of the winds in Iceland. And in the Middle East, they have had a snowstorm. They're calling it a 100-year snowstorm. They're telling us that record snows have blanketed the Middle East late last week from Iraq to Iran to Syria. In areas of, Syri of Iraq south of Baghdad, 
saw snow for the first time in over 100 years. Now, there was also record flooding in these same areas the spring and summer of last year as well. In fact, this part of the world is getting a lot more rain than normal. So something's up with that. And in Turkey, they have had abnormal cold. A heavy cold front hit Turkey late last week with snow and temperatures dropping to 5 degrees Fahrenheit in some parts of that country. Fruit and vegetable crops were severely affected, particularly citrus groves. This affected uh, 30,000 hectares of oranges, lemons, and tangerines, and around 70% of fruit companies in Turkey reported heavy damages to their crops. Well, in Japan, there have been a couple of earthquakes. There was a 5.2 near Fukushima. Officials in Fukushima Prefecture uh, warned residents that there could be aftershocks, directed them to local uh, officials for safety advice and direction. The energy company TEPCO, which happens to run four nuclear power plants in this prefecture, said it was awaiting further information about the earthquake impact. Now, as you know, 2011, Fukushima was the site of the world's worst nuclear disaster since Chernobyl when a 9.1 magnitude quake caused a tsunami. You know, remember that the wave flooded the nuclear power plant and caused a massive meltdown. It spewed radiation that forced 160,000 people to evacuate. And another earthquake in Japan that struck near the Kuril Islands. It was a 7.0 magnitude. It affected the islands of Hokikado in the northern part of the Honshu Island, according to the country's meteorological agency. The quake was also felt in Tokyo, but thankfully no damage was reported. Talk about high winds. A gust of 209 miles per hour was recorded atop a California mountain peak. They say this was a potential record that wowed forecasters who were monitoring a cold storm that moved south through the state that dumped snow, rain, and hail. This blast of wind was captured by an instrument at 9,000 feet, on Kirkwood Mountain, south of Lake Tahoe. 209 miles per hour. Yikes. And here's one for you. This is very odd. Extremely low pressure brought down air traffic over northern Norway. The airline company Widero had, in its almost 90-year history, never experienced this kind of weather and had to completely ground its aircraft. Now, according to the Norwegian Meteorological Institute, the air pressure across major parts of the region was below 940 hectopascal. That's a level that makes flying unsafe. And incidentally, it was only a few weeks ago, on the 20th of January, that parts of Europe saw the highest atmospheric pressure readings ever recorded. So we've had the highest atmospheric pressure and this extremely low atmospheric pressure so low that airplanes can't fly in it. What's up with that? And uh, we've had a, a couple of volcanoes erupting. Mount Mariapi, we've talked about that before. This is Indonesia's most active volcano. It erupted early Thursday morning, spewed ca uh, ash about 6,500 feet into the air. The disaster management authorities are warning tourists and locals to say, stay outside a two-mile radius from the peak of the volcano. They say that uh, volcanic material was reported to have spewed ash rain over various villages at least six miles south of the volcano. And uh, let's see if I can say this. The Piton de la Fernese volcano 
has erupted and is pouring molten lava across Reunion Island. This is one of the most active in the world, they say. It periodically erupts long stretches of time. This current eruption right now began all the way back in October, and it's still going strong. We've been talking about the locust invasion. Well, guess what? They're on the march again, according to UN officials. They say that these giant swarms of locusts may descend on both sides of the Indian-Pakistani border around spring and summer of this year. Uh, they said that these gargantuan tribes of desert locusts have been terrifying the residents of Yemen and Saudi Arabia and laying waste to countries along the Horn of Africa. They say that this is the worst outbreak in 25 years for eastern Africa and the worst in Kenya for over 70 years. Now, after uh, multiplying while in the Horn of Africa, they say the swarms are going to migrate to Hindustan, where they may deliver a twin strike together with freshly hatched locusts from southern Iran, according to monitoring authorities. They are gobbling up the crops in the countries that can probably least afford that to happen. Um, here's a story that is so very, very peculiar. It comes from South Lakeland, Florida. There was... Um, I, I, the story doesn't really give much detail, but they said that this attack by a river otter... Now, otters are cute. Otters swim on their backs. Otter, otters are adorable. We think we want to pick them up and hug them. Everyone on the Pacific Coast up in Washington likes to watch the otters. Well, here was an otter that wasn't so sweet. Uh, he forced his way into a home, a house. The otter. Now, it says forced his way into a house. I don't know if the otter broke down the door. That sounds highly unlikely, but that's how the article makes one think of it. Anyway, he got in the house, and he attacked a little girl, sent her to the hospital. He bit her all over the place, and the mother had to take action to protect everybody in the family from being bit by the otter. They didn't tell us what the mother did. Uh, the story is really sparse on information, but what is most notable about this is the odd animal behavior. That is just extremely strange. We don't often hear about aggressive river otters, but by fighting its way into this house in South Lakeland, Florida, experts said this otter was definitely not acting normal very odd they normally don't even go out of the water that much I don't think I don't know if the house is right on the river or the lake or wherever but what an odd story um, okay on to science let's talk about science um, scientists now in the United States have developed a device they say uses a natural protein to create electricity from moisture in the air wow Really? Wow. Well, they wrote about this in the journal Nature. And an engineer and a microbiologist from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst have introduced an air-powered generator, which they describe as the most amazing and exciting application of protein nanowires yet invented. Protein nanowires. Well, this device has electrically conductive protein nanowires produced by the microbe, as in microorganism, the microbe geobacter, 
which a researcher discovered in the Potomac River three decades ago and has been working with ever since while trying to discover a potential for what he calls green electronics. What a paragraph that is. Yeah. A microbe. Uh, protein nanowires created by a microbe to somebody discovered in the Potomac River who is trying to be create green electronics with this. I mean, man, wow. Okay. Well, the air power generator connects electrodes to the protein nanowires in such a way that the electrical current is generated from the water vapor naturally present in the atmosphere. Their device, they say, is low-cost, non-polluting, and renewable, and needs neither sun nor wind. It can work outdoors or in extremely low humidity of the desert. Wow. Not only can it power small electronics, but they hope to bring it to commercial scale pretty soon. They hope that it can be developed to power electronic wearables, such as health and fitness monitors and smartwatches, and at some point, perhaps, mobile phones. The inventor says that his ultimate goal is to make large-scale systems. For example, the technology could be incorporated into wall paint that could help power a house. Or maybe they could develop standalone air-powered generators that supply electricity off the grid. Wow. Wow. That's, That's awesome. exciting. Isn't that something? Yeah. And here's another story for you. Now, look, this is real complex. I just had to bring it to the table. I'm taking out a lot of details because you'd all start falling asleep, and you'd go, what? So <laughs> I've summarized this, but it is important enough to share with you. And um, this was published in a place called Eureka Alert. And the headline reads, New Electronic State of Matter Discovered. Well, a Department of Physics and Astronomy has announced the discovery of a new electronic state of matter. A distinguished professor of condensed matter physics and a research associate professor are co-authors of the research that focuses on measurements in one-dimensional conducting systems where electrons are found to travel without scattering in groups of two or more at a time, rather than individually. The study was published in Science just last week. The researcher, who is also director of the Pittsburgh Quantum Institute, noted that these new particles feature properties related to quantum entanglement, which can potentially be used for quantum computing and quantum redistribution. He said the discovery is an exciting advancement towards the next stage of quantum physics. A new state of electronic matter. Hmm. Wow. If you've got the brains for it, check that out. Maybe you could make some sense out of it, but it's very interesting <laughs> and seems really remarkable. One of those many new breakthrough things that are happening at such a rapid pace today. Well, I'm going to leave you all with a quote, and I think that you may have heard it, but I find it extremely inspiring and very practical and truthful. I mean, it's very good advice. It comes from Abraham Lincoln, and he said, In the end, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. So, oh, that's a good that one. Thought, 
and from my heart to each one of you. Have a beautiful couple of weeks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Ariel. Love to be here with Thanks. you. Thanks so much, Anastasia, for the Starseed News. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, Lavendor, I'm going to get your mic open, and then our guests, Christine and Lee, let me get your mics open. Okay, we're ready to go. Lavendar, are you ready? I'm here. I'm ready. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so um, Leah and Christine, I, how are we going to do this? Because you're on two different uh, telephones. So well, yeah. I've got I've got both of the phones open, so you could just you know talk to both of them, Christine and Lee, together. Okay, but they'll need to answer me. I'll, okay, well, we're used to teaching together. We'll be good. <laughs> okay, we're here. <laughs> well, okay. welcome to the show, ladies. Yeah, Thank right. you. Thank you. So I know you have a lot of good information for us. So, uh, Leah, why don't you just why don't you just start? Hmm. Well, it's just such a pleasure to be here. We're so excited to speak with your community about self-love and really appreciate the invitation. And um, one of the things that Christine and I have really been feeling into lately, as I imagine your community has been as well, is this real need to bring the heart back into um, the, 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 the planet, really. Um, just been really paying attention to what's happening out there in the systems, whether it's the school systems or... Or, you know, um, I was thinking about uh, Christine and I were together recently and we were talking about the term human resources, right? And it kind of blew something open in me in terms of, of what we're doing and asking of our human beings here on Earth. And Christine could talk so much more about this because her work is really focused on helping people get out of overwhelm and, and um, being completely um, unsustained in our lives. And so um, Christine years ago was able to bring in this beautiful technology around self-love and it's just grown over the past decade or so. And, um, and um, we're really taking a stand for self-sustainability and for self-love and bringing the heart back into um, all places, um, whether it's the system or our families or um, just bringing more love to the planet. Okay, good. Let me hear a little bit about you and where you come from and some of your experiences and how you got to be where you are right now. Just kind of give mm. us a thumbnail sketch of, of your spiritual training and, and where you come from. And where do you live right now? Where is your home? My home is in southwest Montana, so I'm in the Rocky Mountains. I'm looking out at some snow flurries right now, and so I appreciated the, the mention of spring is on its way earlier today. Um and um well wow I tell you like I mean I you know this this idea of of being a starseed um really was not solidified in me until I started to work with um some some colleagues of mine and and understand that like what comes naturally for all of us or for me doesn't come naturally for for all of us and so I think back about my childhood and personally just spending hours and hours and hours and hours out on the land and with nature. And so I really feel like I grew up in a very remote area of Wyoming and really bonded with uh, the land there and really found that is where I was able to commune with myself and with spirit. And 
I guess, sort of flash forward and, you know, getting caught, swept up in the in the normal pieces of, of life in terms of, oh, you know, go to college now and get married and, and all of that stuff that we all do. And then kind of finding myself years ago, like, not feeling connected, I guess. And that was when um, I had... Um, detached myself from a relationship that needed to, that I needed to exit from and um, sort of spent a year, you know, grieving and, and doing the things of, of, of that whole separation and and really realizing that I had made a promise to myself about never not being true to myself again. And the word self-love came to me in that, that moment. And it's not words that I had ever used. And that's how I ended up working with um, finding and working with Christine and really understanding what self-love means. And through that avenue or that portal, I would say, it really connected me back with myself and with spirit. And um, since then, have just really opened up to the divine feminine and have taken, you know, numerous, I don't want to say trainings because they that, I don't like that word because it's really an immersion and it's really an experience and an embodiment. And so understanding for me personally the relevance of um, both self-love, but also um, bringing the feminine in and really understanding what that means has been uh, my own personal path, and um, and and I'm just an experiential person. So um, once I started to really embody that for myself and see the changes in myself and those around me, really became dedicated to bringing that uh, to to more people here and my formal training as I, I ended up as a as a biology uh, major and as a science, scientist for many years and so I kind of took that that linear academic approach and then realized that there was so much more that I could open my heart to and so I I really enjoy now the weaving of the two of those as this more empirical side of myself but also this more mystical um, feminine based side of myself as well. You know, by you saying that you were into biology. That's probably going to help you understand more about uh, blood coatings and bloodlines and DNA mm, and the activations mm-hmm. of, of harmonics in the bloodline. So mm. that will give you a basis for it later, I think. Don't you think? Yeah, I would imagine so. We we have those kind of conversations, maybe not to the depth that, that you do, Lavender, <laughs> because I've spoken with you before, but, but uh, certainly more to come, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Christine, are you there? I am. Okay, Christine, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to come up on this path of self-love. Well, what I can what I can definitely share with you all is that it, I never knew that self-love was one of my assignments. I kind of think of us as now that I know now that I have the language of starseed, um, which I you know <laughs> I don't exactly know when I when I got the language, but I was like, oh yeah, that's totally me. Makes a lot of sense now. Um, but I believe as starseeds, we come in with assignments, sacred assignments. I kind of think of us like um, Jedi's. You know, we're like Jedi's who <laughs> working for love, and we all have our different assignments. And if you can wake up and remember what your assignment is, that is you know a big part of our work here on the planet. And and I was in, imprinted into the what you know many people call the American dream or the Western world dream of you know go to school, get a house, you know grow, 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 consume, 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 you know be smart, be smart, be smart. And I um, I just kind of did that up until I was at the age of thirty. I was always a high achiever. I excelled in school, and I followed what many would call the self-esteem programming, which was an upgrade that we received as a culture, but it also had an unintended impact of kind of really leaving out the heart. And so while I had a lot of confidence and I had a lot of, um, if you had looked at me, it would have been like, she's, you know, well-adjusted, she has lots of friends, she's, you know, happy, she's gifted, all this and that. 
Um, but for me, and I, and I think for a lot of people who find the self-love path, and you know, now many years later what I know for sure is that self-love is the foundational part of our spiritual journey. And I have met a lot of people who have done a tremendous a lot of, self, of, of spiritual work, but they skipped the heart part. And they always got to go back if they're really going to integrate. And many people who just have never woken up to self-love. And it, it really is the foundational part that opens up higher levels of, of understanding. And so for me, my self-love catalyst moment, and many people, if you might think of it as like a spiritual awakening moment, mine was what I would call a self-love catalyst moment of, um, and mine also came through relationships. It usually comes through relationship catalyst, health catalyst. It can come through a career where it really like rocks your foundation. And I asked the question, how did a really intelligent person like myself end up here? And I, I was broken open enough to hear that voice, that voice of the inner wisdom, the voice of our, you know, our inner knowing. And the voice was very clear, like you have a lot of self-esteem, but you don't love yourself. And I was, and for the first time, I really listened, and I'm like, uh, that's truth. <laughs> and so it was all excited. I was listening, and so it kept going. And this was right, you know, at my Saturn returns, so my 27 to 30, right around there. And um, and it said, you know, not only did you almost marry the wrong person, which would have been awful and created lots of suffering for you, you almost lived the wrong life. And that's yeah. what really got my attention because, and then you know, because I what I didn't, I didn't know how to talk to my heart. I didn't really know what my – I had never been trained in that. And so I said, all right, like self-love, I'm going to make a promise. And I made two promises that, that, that evening, one which became the foundational. There's five promises that connect to self-love that indicate you have a strong self-love foundation. The first is I will never settle for less than my heart and soul desire, which means you have Good. to actually slow down enough to get into resonance with the heart. And that led me on this path to starting to talk to, like, I was, you know, was involved in a spiritual community, and I said, you know, what's self-love? And I would get these platitudes, like, oh, love yourself, be kind, compassionate. And I'm like, that's great. I want to know how to do it. And no one could really ground it and explain it to me in a way that was actually practical. That, and so I started studying it. And I started practicing with it, and I really was given a methodology, I believe. I've always said the three, first three books I wrote, um, were all, which are part of a self-love curriculum and methodology. I really feel like they were given to me to bring self-love onto the planet in a very practical way with tools and assessments and practices to actually strengthen one's inner foundation in what I would call all ten realms of self-love um, or the ten branches of self-love is how we teach it at the school. So you, you, you have a, a, do you have a school, a building? or t- Tell us how the, your school is going to be put together. Yes, so is it on the internet is, or is it a place? The school exists, um, like many star seed things, on the etheric realm. So it definitely, it's, you know, it exists there. But it, it is a, it's a virtual school, so people can keep can all over the world. We have we have trained facilitators on over um, six continents. We've had students all over the world. So it's really meant to be able to to, to really to really teach anyone and everyone our 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 mission at the school. I think which you you mentioned which was in, two, in three generations, create a world in which every child born is born connected to love and stays connected to love because they know how to source love from within, which really looks like the people who are adults right now, like we have to know how to do this. We have to be that frequency. We have to be that vibration in ourselves so that the children that are here, that we can actually be that model for them. And then those little star seeds that are inside of the, the little ones now, like, 
that's the generation I feel like has the capacity to to come onto the planet and stay connected to that love inside of themselves. And self-love is one of the three kinds of love that we need to experience. So can you give some examples of how the lack of self-love might show up in someone's life? Yeah, it's such a good question, Lavender. I'll, I'll give a couple because it's like that was that was like so. I'm like, okay, my assignment. So I'm basically working in corporate America, you all, when all of this self love starts to happen, and I, and I do all of you, know, and I get the I get the little tap tap from the universe in 2006 that says, okay, Christine, it's time to leave your corporate cushy job now and go out into the world and teach people self love. And I was working on my first book, which is called Choosing Me Before We, which is all about self love and relationships. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, go out and teach the world self-love? Like, I'm going to start to death. <laughs> no one wants to talk about that. And, um, but that's kind of how it is, like us for starseeds. We're usually on the cutting edge. And so what I found is that most of the time, any challenge or situation that we are having in our lives at the root, if you really get to the root, you will find a, a weak self-love. So but we don't know we don't equate oh well, this is this is a weak self love so this must you know this must be this must be about self love which is one of the challenges we face at the school because it again it feels so amorphous so here's like a couple and then leave you want to you want to you want to add on so self respect is one of the 10 branches of self love and people who have a weak self respect can be really amazingly strong in their jobs in their careers because they have high self-esteem, but with a low self-respect or weak self-respect, you will put yourself into toxic friendships, toxic relationships. You'll overstay in relationships. You'll find yourself in toxic work environments. Um, you'll and you'll just put up with a lot of things in your relationships, or you'll not really treat your body or honor it as something sacred. Um, self-respect is all about really holding yourself and your body as sacred. And so a lot of people who struggle in relationships, they have a weak self-respect. Self-care is another one of the ten branches of self-love. So you can have a high self-esteem, but a low self-care, you will be the kind of person who gives to everybody and everything else, and you deplete yourself, you overgive, you overwork, you over caretake, you, and then you end up not getting what you need you get sick, you, don't take, you just don't take care of yourself because you're giving everything away. And then self-compassion is, is another one. Self-trust is another branch. I see a lot of people who have weak self-trust. You don't know how to make – it's hard to make wise choices for yourself. And so it's, you're maybe always looking on the outside for answers or looking to get guidance from others or you're like, you know, you're always searching the internet to get the answer and or you've made choices in your life that whether it's career, a lot of people make a lot of career choices that are not in alignment with themselves because they don't trust themselves to really follow the truth of their heart and be true to the, who they are because we haven't learned how to work with there's two forces within our hearts that we teach at the school that if you don't know how to work the realm of your heart, it's really hard to make choices that are rooted deeply in your truth. So that's another way um, it can show up. And these are, I mean, there's so many. We have a list of over 120 different signs of a weak self-love. So I'll stop there, but see if there's anything else Lee wants to add that I might have missed Okay, so well, let's go to Leah now. Leah, do you have some more things to add to what she's saying? Yeah, I wanted to just highlight something, Christine. You were starting to touch on the, you know, the, the pieces of, of 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 places that we don't actually know that are um, we're exhibiting a weak self love, and it reminds me of. Um, a workshop that I was teaching at a local spiritual center, and, and it was just sort of a basic flyover about self-love. And 
and um, we have a list that we have that are we call the, the the overs, right? And so it was like the overgiving, the overextending, and and it wasn't, you know, I was I was engaged with this community, and they're very spiritually evolved people, and so you know they were very you know kind and compassionate people, and mostly pretty kind and compassionate to themselves. And when I mentioned these ways in which we overextend ourselves or overgive, um, and and we were not in balance with giving and receiving for ourselves, it was like you know I could just like see things happening in their in their minds and their hearts in terms of like oh oh this is so much deeper than you know we joke about self care a little bit about like you know getting a manicure or a pedicure or whatever those are really nice but like how am I showing up in my own life and where are the ways in which I am giving away my own sovereignty. Um, when I can actually stand in my own sovereignty and also be kind and, and, and loving to others, which I think kind of leads to the question of, you know, sometimes we think self-love is selfish, but I started to really ponder this question about, like, you know, like my ability to really love myself makes makes um, makes me worthy of love from others, you know, versus if I give, 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 give of myself, then I'm worthy of love from others is more of this, this real... Um, groundedness in myself and in my own heart because I know I'm always following my truth and it's always with compassion, you know, and it's not always easy. We say it's simple, but it's not always easy. Um, and so, um, and I know Christine can talk a little bit more about what the overs with some of the work that she does, but I, I started to really ponder and and um, get curious about the subtleties of self-love, which I think is what our work really gets into in terms of really a holistic approach to looking at how we're showing up in our lives and 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 things that we can actually tangibly practice to actually strengthen and and grow. You know, one of the things that, that I, I do in my sessions with solar returns, and I've done solar returns for both of you, is I say to my clients, in these 10 hours of power, love yourself. Be selfish with yourself. Mm-hmm. Only do the things that you want to do. Eat your favorite foods. Dress up the way you want to dress. You know, have your candles, have your salt bath, whatever it is that pleases you. Your 10 hours of power are actually there to ignite and to make you remember why you came to the planet. Because in those 10 hours, you're given the opportunity to tap into why you came to the planet in the first Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And if you've lost that direction, then going off being by yourself for these 10 hours of power and working with the self-love projection that you're talking about would really work. Yeah, well, because what you're talking about, Lavendar, and for everyone out there, like what we're talking about, especially as star seeds, like it's like it's about heart frequency. It's not about the mental mind, and we have to remember, like we got we landed here on this planet, and it's so consumed with mental, 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 mental. Like everything is in the mind, and even you hear it, body, mind, and spirit. I mean, we say it all, like, body, mind. Like, where's the heart? And the heart for every one of us, I don't care how spiritually evolved you are or you're not evolved. I mean, I, I haven't gotten, maybe, maybe Levin, you can tell me you've gotten to this place in your own spiritual development. But like I always say, self-love is a practice, it is a path, and it is a choice. So because I know the ten branches of self-love and I know where my weaknesses end up to be, which for me usually ends up in that area of, what I would call a lack of self-sustainability, where I will overgive and under-receive. I will go to the self-sacrificing part, or I will get over-focused in that self-esteem kind of driving part. I know where my weaknesses are. It's like any system. You want to know where your weaknesses are. And I know when I will pop out of my heart or when I have fear in my heart or shame in my heart or whatever is in there, and I have language for for to know when I'm out of my heart center. So one of the things we, we teach are 
33 different toxic habits that are indicators that you're out of your heart center. Now, we all know if you're out of your heart center, you're not at your highest frequency. If you're at your highest frequency, you're not making the best choices. And, and so, like, one of my so – I'll give you a couple of toxic habits. See if for any of you if these, if these ring true for you. But these indicate a lack of self-love and also that you're out of resonance with your power center being your heart. So lashing out, pushing, bullying, comparing yourself isolating, overworking, over-caretaking others, overtaking responsibility, overcompensating for others. Will you help me out? I'm trying to remember. There's 33. There's, 30, there's 33. Pressuring yourself. Negative Acting like a victim. <laughs> Arrogant. Acting like a victim. Compa- Isolating. <laughs> Comparison. You can compare yourself as an inferior and superior, both. So there's all these, yeah, there's all these toxic habits. And if you know your toxic habits, and I always say spiritual enlightenment is like know your top five. Like know the five things that are going are gonna, to are gonna swirl you up, get you off center. And even if you've been practicing for 40 years and you've been awake, I don't think in this climate that we're in right now that we can afford not to be extremely aware of how our hearts are working and when we're out of our, our you know, we're out of our love beam and we're in that love beam. And then, and then being able to have the language, and I think that's the biggest thing the self-love methodology has done as it was given to me, is that it gives language for something that feels so big, like, oh, love yourself, love yourself, self-love. It's like it's, like it's so, it's, it's, not, it's like cotton candy, when like if you really get to it and you have the language for it, like you all, it's some of the most potent medicine we have. If you think, if like look at the leadership in this world and the choices that are made against this planet, if those people actually loved themselves and had that deep love inside of their heart, we would not see what we're seeing today. But That's in the true. absence of understanding how to teach this, how do we how do we give this medicine to the people? I really think that the children that are being born now, they need this probably more than anyone. Mm-hmm. The new people that are coming the new star seeds, the children that are going to have to stand up and put the new blueprints down on the planet after after this thing that's happening now, bust, and it's, we're over it. <laughs> when, whenever we get over that, I'm not sure. But when the new kids come, they will need to know all of these things that you're talking about. They will absolutely need to know all these things, Lavender, and we have to also embody them. Like, we have to embody them ourselves. So this is like we do a lot of work with people who either work with kids or also are parents. So it's like we'll just – you and I were talking about this on my, on my solar return. Like, it's like they, we just pass down the same non-self-loving blueprints, the, 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 the imprints. It's, I always kind of joke it's like getting a bad set of china from your parents. You know, it's like you don't mean to, like, give them a, a you know – tea set that serves self-sacrificing tea or, or, or you know, invincible superwoman or invincible superman tea. But one of the reasons every year we pick a, we pick a theme for the year, um, we've, February 13th is the International Day of Self-Love. So for all of you listening right now, if you've never, if you didn't know that, you know it now. It's been um, going for 13 years now. Put it on your calendar. Um, we, we, people all over the world have circles and events um, in their, with their homes and their communities, but we also take a we make a promise every year we actually it's the time of the year where you stop and you pause and you're like where am i weak in my self-love where am i strong in my self-love and then you make self-love promises that you're going to keep that year to really help you stay strong and true to yourself 
But one of the other things we do is we pick a theme for the year that we really feel is the kind of self-love medicine the world's really needing right now. And our theme for this year, and it will likely be our theme next year too, um, because it's very connected to my, my next body of work and my next book, is self-sustainability, which takes like self-care that. to a whole other level. Mm-hmm. Um, because if Lavender, if you and me and Lee and all of you listening, if we are not practicing self-sustainability, which is really making sure that you are sustained in every system that you create, be it a family system or your business or whatever, is sustainable, A, we're not going to make it. Like our starseed systems are going to break down. And B, we're just recapitulating that same self-sacrificing model that we talked about at the very beginning, which is what the systems thrive on. Which is like, let's suck as much energy and resources out of these people because they'll just keep giving and giving and giving and giving because there's so much need. But if we don't take a stand for sustainability for ourselves and say, we actually need to get this giving and receiving into harmony and how I work in my family, in my relationships, in my work, then how can we expect the planet to be sustainable? We're linked to the planet. And it's a lot easier to control what's going on in ourselves versus the entire world. And I think that's where the change starts within ourselves. So give us some catalyzing stories of of things that have happened with some of your clients, some things that that people can relate to. Do you want to go first, Drew? Mm, Yeah. Gosh, let me feel into that. (laughs) I I can always go. I got all fiery, so, you know. (laughs) That's what happens, Lavendar and everyone. I get all fiery and that fierce feminine just comes flying through. So And and Lee's like the slow, grounded one, and then I get all fiery, so. And we yeah, well, are, are, <laughs> well um, the one that yeah, I'm, I'm, is a particular person I'm kind of thinking about um, right now um, is somebody that is that I'm 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 working with, and um, just this really beautiful, beautiful starseed soul, and um, the most like she uses the word, um, and I'm not going to think of it. It's not communion, but it's like a fellowship, right? She's very connected to spirit, and and she's just this loving being. She's a physician, and she just really brings love into what she does. She really cares about what she does. And um, she uh, started to to work with me just around some general self-love stuff. But as I went a little bit deeper with her, um, we started to talk about this particular toxic relationship that she had been in and what it had actually, like, done to her heart. And when we actually were able to go in there and she let herself be vulnerable and tell me the story about this relationship that we had, like it changed everything for her. And like I said earlier, it it wasn't necessarily always easy. And there were times where we would be talking that she'd just have to say like, wow, this is really intense. But, but I was talking to her the other day and I'm like, but but we're, we're like over the abyss now. And, and, and so we're, she's really able to celebrate and to see like a really taking control and understanding where she gave her power away um, both in this relationship but also kind of continued on after the relationship was over because she didn't really understand um, how she had showed up in that relationship and how this other beloved had showed up in the relationship and what it had kind of done to her psychically and energetically. And so being able to really be with these tools, um, um, simple tools that we've used for, for years and years now that helped kind of what I say, like you know, crack open her heart and see like, oh, my gosh, like I am so much more than I was in this relationship. And so 
what's been really fun to see is that now we've sort of kind of gone into the heart and we've kind of mucked around in there a little bit, but we've come back up the other side is that she is starting to feel like, okay, there is something now that is tapping me. Um, we were talking about our sacred work earlier and being, you know, being tapped to really step into something and elevate into something that's, you know, why we're here on the planet. And she can start to hear it now. And that is one of the things I think that I've seen it again and again and again is like through this, these tools and technology, not only do, do people's lives improve and, and they start to just live in more har- harmony with themselves and, and their families and, you know, their work and all that kind of stuff, but also it opens up something that allows, and you said it earlier, Lavendar, about like being able to hear I'm here for something, and I'm ready and willing to step into that, even if I don't know what form it is, even if I don't know, but I know now because I can hear it because my heart is open and my heart is in alignment with, with, with truth. What, what can you do to strengthen this self-love? What, is there a particular uh, time of day or uh, anything that you can think of that would uh, strengthen your own resolve to finding your own self-love? So this is Christine, everyone, and the, the interesting thing about self-love, just take nothing from today, one thing I want you to all hear is that there are 10 different kinds of self-love. So self-love, you can break it down into self-acceptance and honesty, self-awareness, self-care, self-compassion and forgiveness, self-esteem, self-empowerment, self-expression, self-trust, self-respect and honor, and self-pleasure. I think I got all ten. And then self-worth, we always say, are the roots of the trees. If you think of it like a tree, you got to strengthen your whole tree. And so one of the things that I also say, remember that self-love is a path, so you're never done. You don't check the box off and be like, I love myself, I'm done. <laughs> it's a forever path. It's a practice so that you have, we have practices, and I'll teach you one right now. Would you like that, Lavendar? I think I, I have yes. a, to pick, yes. pick a branch. Would you like self-care or self-compassion? Uh, self-care. Okay, so we'll do self-care. Um, and then it's a choice. So in any moment, are you making that self-supportive, self-empowering, self-sustaining choice? I'm glad that you picked, I picked self-care. So I'm gonna, I'll teach you all the, the practice that basically I would say broke me out of the burnout cycle and the overgiving cycle. So I was in a cycle where every three months I would give, 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 work, 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 and then I would fall into a hump, plump, I'd totally out of energy and end up in my acupuncturist's office, and he would put um, needles in me and tell me, okay, come back in two weeks, and I would, and then I would go right back in and do it over and over. And many of us have what I call burnout cycles, and we just live that way. My assistant, Sarah, who has five children and was the main um, moneymaker in her house, Every December, she would get sick. She would work and give to everybody else all year long, and then come December, finally when Christmas was over, she would be sick for two weeks with the flu, thought it was normal. These are not normal. These are burnout cycles. And the thing that we have to remember, especially as starseeds, so we don't burn out and burn up, is that we need to be monitoring our life force. So two things. Monitoring our life force. So think about your life force as like your battery charge. That like if you have a you know car or cell phone you plug it in and you want to be you want to be in relationship to your life force every day so you don't do what I call um, one of the foundational self sustainability principles is never serve from your reserves okay never serve from your reserves so that's self sustainable principle principle number one 
self-sustainable principle number two is that many of us, because we're so giving and we see everything that needs to be done, is we operate like a bank that gives more withdrawals than it takes in deposits, which is why, just think about that for a second. You don't need to be an accountant to figure that out. You basically, what it means is you're bankrupting yourself. You bankrupt ourselves emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. There's, there's actually eight different kinds of burnout. Physical burnout is the last place it shows up in your body. You've had emotional, energetic, compassion, passion, fatigue, and burnout before you've ever gotten to the physical part. So this practice that I'm about to give you, and I'll walk you all through it, it helps you make sure you don't serve from your reserves so that as your reserves, energy reserves, life force reserves go you know, lower, that you are filling up before you start to go into what in many, um, many traditions, like your second and third reserve tank, and then operate from that, that reserve versus a filled tank. And then two, it makes sure that you get your giving and receiving in harmony. So you've heard that, that, that phrase, it's better to give than receive. I'd like you all to think of it like an imprint that's been imprinted into our subconscious and erase that it's better to give than receive and change it to and. It's better to give and receive. And imagine that, that is the new, that's the new program we're putting in. And this is the practice that will help you do it. Okay, Lavender, I want you to close your eyes. B, close your eyes, everyone. Close your eyes and just take a couple breaths with yourself to bring yourself into tune with your own body. And you can put one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly if you like. And this is a, a practice you would do every morning, either before you get out of bed or before you start your day. And just imagine calling all of your cells back to your body so you're connected to your center. And if you were to imagine your body like a beautiful chalice that receives and holds and retains, that receives and retains life force. And you were to imagine taking a life force reading of the the strength of your life force, the amount of life force. What is your life force level at right now on a scale of 0 to 100? What is your life force level right now, 0 to 100? And whatever number you get, say that number out loud. Lavender, what was your number? 75. <laughs> Lee? 72. 72. 67 is mine. Everyone else, go ahead and say yours out loud. I'm like, so, so here's the scale. If you are 75 or above and you give and don't receive that day, you're probably not going to go under your reserves. 50 is the reserve line. And then that's where you start to get into the emotional, mental, sickness, anxiety, disease, all that kind of starts to set in. So all of those things that we feel, the anxiety, that, that, gets, that gets more, the frustration, the shortness, all of that, that starts to get more and more the lower you go in your life force. If you're between a 50 and 75 and you don't receive that day, you're going to go below your 50. Now, if you're below 50, you're already serving from your reserves. If you're below 25, you're serving from places in your body that may take months or years to actually come back. Now, here's the thing. If you are below a 50, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, tell people I can't come into work tomorrow? No, like, or, you know, tell your kids, make your own lunch, I'm below a 50. You go into your life differently 
so that you get more support. You, give, you don't give extra that day. In our team, before we start a team meeting or I lead a retreat, we all do this practice, what's your life force level? Now here's the second part. Everyone close your eyes again because this is the second part. So you get your life force reading, hand back on your heart and your belly, really sense into both your heart and your physical body. What do you need to receive today? What do you need to receive today? And if it's evening time, what do you need to receive tonight? More sleep. <laughs> More sleep. The yeah. stillness. A deeper connection with my partner. So now here's the thing. Whatever came, that you have to give that to yourself because that's what you actually need to fill up your life force. You gotta, that's, this is where the self-love comes in. It's like no matter what, I promise to give this to myself. And for those of you that didn't get anything, that just means your, your, your connection to your heart and your, inner, and your inner wisdom line isn't as open as it needs to be. You have to remember your intuition, your inner wisdom, the part that guides you, that is connected you know, to, the, to the crystal grid. If you're not talking to it, it's not talking to you. It, it, you know, it's like a best friend. So I always just say make something up that you would love to receive. And the thing is, it's never a seven-day trip to Tahiti. It really rarely costs money. It could be anything from water to a hug to yoga class. And then you, if you do this in the morning, so my, 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 my double dog, triple dog dare to you all, from a sheer place of self-sustainability, is do this every morning before you start interacting with the outside world. And I promise you, if you do this, you will see a significant shift in your overwhelm, in exhaustion and burnout like it will alleviate so many things and you will have so much more life force to give and you will start to see the ways in which you're actually over giving which is a you know whole other teaching but i wanted to this this i've done this practice every year since 2012 when my second book medley in love with me came out the book about the 10 branches of self-love and i had 20 events in four months and i'm like if i try to do that the way i've learned how to work before i'll never make it and that's when this practice was given to me. And the one day I didn't listen, I had an event, I was at a 53, and instead of going into that event and giving differently and just meeting the energy of the room where it was, because I have a lot of, you know, I'm a very vivacious person, I poured my life force in to that container to get it to rise up, and I was a freaking wreck the next day. My whole nervous system was, um, I, that was, that was the last time um, I didn't listen to it. And I've been as low since then as a 43. And when it got to that 43, I cleared my whole schedule for a weekend and said, I, I, I have to go. i got to go offline and just do things that nourish me. And by Monday, I was back up to a 60, 65. And it took a couple of weeks for me to get back in my – and I'm usually like high 60s, low 70s, um, only if I'm in a peak experience in my, in my 80s and my 90s. Wow. Wow, these are really wonderful techniques. I think that our audience will really um, enjoy trying some of the things that you're talking about. So I see what time it is, and I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle, and she has the the, uh, switchboard. Will you be willing to talk to people if they want to call in and talk to you? Sure, absolutely. Okay, well, thank you, girls, for coming on. and I love Mm -hmm. both of you, and you've been uh, a strong supporter of of Starseed for a long time, and I really do appreciate that you're on the planet and doing the work. 
Thank you, girls. Mm. Okay. Thank you, Thank Lavender. Thank you, Lavender. Okay, bye. Okay, so um, before we get started here, I just want to say that if you are already on the switchboard, then you'll need to press 1 on your keypad so that we know you have a question. And if you're listening on the computer, then you need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then after you're in, press 1 so that we know you have a question. So um, we'll wait and see if anyone um, does have a question. I'm I'm looking up and down. We have a pretty full switchboard tonight. So... um, and a lot of times people will actually listen on Wednesday. So um <laughs> if no one if no one calls it doesn't it doesn't reflect on you. It's just that most people listen um on Wednesday. So um with that, um are are you both I mean in completely different geographic locations? We are. I'm in Montana and Christine is over in Washington. Washington State? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I live on a, on a small island off the coast of, of Seattle where I've been writing. Oh, wonderful. Well, I mean, you're not, it's like, like um, we've, got, we've got our people spread all over the place, but fortunately with the Internet, um, that kind of dissolves the distance. So how long have you been um, up? With the um, with the school, the path of self love. Uh, we founded the school, so we've been I've been teaching the self love work since 2007, and uh, we founded and wrote three books: the Choosing Me Before We, the Madly in Love with Me book, which is about the ten branches, and then um, the last self love book was Reform Your Inner Mean Girl, which is a, the the work that's really about how to. Uh, going to bring voice and personality and understanding to that inner critic or that part that really causes you to sabotage yourself and also the part of you that is that deep inner wise self and really form a relationship between those two parts. And a lot of our work is actually pretty, it's playful, but it's also really potent. So we always say, don't mistake the playfulness for, for the potency, because if we're going to do this work, no one wants to, you know, we don't really want to sit around and have to, you know, tell, like, just like, home. it's like we want to really be able to have some fun with it, too. And so after those three books um, came out in their full form, and then we founded the school. So that last book came out in 2015. So the school was founded in 2015 to be able to carry on the work and start doing the teacher trainings. And um, we also do a, a week-long intensive at Kripalu, which is a yoga and wellness center on the east coast of the United States. And then all the other stuff is, is mostly um, is mostly virtual. So we've been training people um, for about four years now through the school. Excellent. And and is there um, for if someone will wanted to be trained so that they could teach this? Um, how what length of time are you talking about for the training? Yeah, so we have two different programs. Um, one program is called the the Year of Self Love, and that is a program that people take mostly for the really well. They're both really for themselves. So kind of think of it like think of it like yoga teacher training. So there's like when you just go and you take the yoga the yoga classes. That is our we call it the Year of Self Love, and or the we call it sometimes the Love Club. And that's where once a month you actually focus on one different branch of self love every month. So it's an easy, nice, beautiful, supportive way to 
learn about each one of the branches and go into the different practices and things that you can do to kind of really get into your own heart. And it's nice and simple and it flows really easily into, um, into your life. And then when you're kind of ready to, for those that want to teach the work or we have, you know, we've trained people, therapists and teachers and advisors and yoga instructors and fitness instructors. And um, we had a man from Egypt, um, take it, who wants to bring this to his daughter and her, his daughter's friends. We have a lot of parents that want to take it or grandparents, just lots of different people. And that's like a kind of like a yoga teacher training where you're like, really ready to go deeper. I want a level of mastery in this so I can incorporate it into my work or into my family or into my community. But what we find, and Lee can speak to this because she's the director um, of, that, of, that, of that training, what we find is that people really, we always kind of say, take the medicine first. They have such deep, um, they have such deep experiences themselves. And first, and just like I think in, in my, I'm a, I'm a trained yoga teacher, and I know that was true for me. And then once I integrated all of it, then it comes out into my teachings um, now, and that's a that's an eight month um, training. Okay, so it's it's something that people can do um, regardless of their situation, or and and it could open up doors that that they didn't know they wanted to go through. As yeah, because it sounds to me that they the um, that there's a a molting that happens when people start having these aha moments. And uh, so I think that there could be a lot of um, unexpected benefits, revelations, and changes just by starting. Yeah, I mean, we had a, well, we did the, the five-day Carpalo Intensive. It happens in July, um, which is also CEUs for social workers and nurses. And we had a woman come who's a, she's a, she a pharmacist. I think she's a pharmacist, Lee, isn't she? She's a mother of four, um, you know, two years out of a divorce, and she came for herself originally to the five-day Kripalu intensive, but what she realized is like, oh, my God, I want to bring this to my kids, and oh, my God, I actually I do want to gather people around this, and I do want to share this with other people. And, um, and so it really awakened in her, I think, coming back to the truth of who she was and that she wanted to first, of course, take it for herself, then share it with her kids. But there was a deeper calling within herself to bring it to her community and to her and to her friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of thinking of all of the, all the repercussions once you, once you get that light bulb go off over your head um, of all the possibilities that can unfold, but it has to start, with the basic, you know, foundation of of self love, and I really, I was really relating to um, um, what you were just talking about in the um, serving from your reserves. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, what a concept! How many of us do that? Mm-hmm. You know, ninety nine point ninety nine percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so many star seeds well, are driven was- to be of service. Absolutely. And I think that that was one thing that I wanted to highlight after Christine taught the the receiving practice is that, you know, part of part of being with that practice is noticing um, our own resistance to receiving. And, you know, like you said, like we were 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 built or, you know, we came we came here because we want to give. And so we give and and we give out of like true service. Um, And also it can be very hard for us to start practicing that that receiving on our own. I remember specifically um, many years ago when I started to practice it, just walking through my life and noticing everywhere that I was just like 
blocking it. And, and Christine has this wonderful <clears throat> partner, Noah, and even when I would go visit them, you know, I'm hauling my own luggage around and he'd say, you know, Lee, do you want me to carry your luggage? No, 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 I got this, I got this, I got this. You know, this is, I was just like, because I did, I did, you know, I was very self-sufficient and whatever. And and lucky lucky for me, he's such a loving soul. And he said, you know, at one point, he's just like, Lee, are you going to let me do this for you? You know, and I and it was like the startling moment of, I am so like not used to receiving myself that um, like I had to be sort of like you know poked poked about it, but noticing, starting to really understand and walk through my life, and if it's little things like that versus you know where else are we blocking receiving, you know whether that's blocking love from others or you know however it shows up, but but that can also be a challenge for us, and that's why as Christine mentioned, it's a practice. And so, you know, if you start doing this receiving practice and you're like, ooh, like it feels really weird to say, like, go ask somebody for, can I have a hug today or whatever shows up for you. Um, notice that, too, and it's all totally normal because we're just not used to that balance of, of giving and receiving and, and, and being able to fill our own reserves before we give to others. Yeah, I'm, I'm just now wondering um, how much of this was programmed through organized religion. Mm. Well, you know, bingo, you, you bingo, dingo. <laughs> where do you, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's a very technical term, I know. Um, so the whole, so so the the whole do. Um, in my next book is called Overwhelmed and Over It, and um, that's coming out this fall. And the book basically has in it eleven different twelve, depending on which which chapters, um, program of imprints that we've been given inside of our society. So some of it's from religion, some of it's from, I mean, there's so many that have been programmed and imprinted us that we don't even know that are in there. And then it's about upgrading to the to a, to a different elevated program that isn't based on self-sacrifice and or sucking every resource out of humans, those kinds of things. And that program is better to give than receive. When I was when I was working on the Overwhelmed and Over It book and also when I was working on the Melody in Love With Me book, I was like, who said that? Like, where did that come from? And and that's so wrong. And Noah, who's my partner in my first line book editor, he's about six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds, super loving, gentle, but also a very strong man. And he just kind of looks at me very silently. He has the Google Oracle on, and he's like, "Christine, I don't know how to break it to you, but Jesus is quoted as saying it's better to give than receive." <laughs> and at this moment, I'm just like. Huh, well, I can't write in my book, you know, Jesus said this, he was wrong, because it's not going to go over so well. But as, you know, as I got deeper into it, I'm like, like that's not what Jesus would have said. Like, I'm just pretty sure that is a lost in translation issue. And if you just change that one word, than to and, it changes everything. It does. And it, it seems, right, it seems so simple. Oh, like, that's just, that's just mincing words. Oh, like, you all know, like, Ariel, you know this, everyone listens, like, words are power. And we just don't even think about it. Oh, it's better to give than receive. Like, even if you've never said that, or how many times one of the programs I talk about in the new book, and I talk a lot about it, Feminine Empower Time, my podcast, is about this whole notion of working hard. And or you have to give it your all. And like, just start to notice you all how many times you talk about how hard you're working or how busy you are and what you're actually affirming like we we've been told in order to be successful work hard you got to work hard to get ahead and not that we all haven't worked hard that's true but it's an imprint and to work hard means to toil to strive to grind to struggle it's like carrying something on your back and i'm a big fan of working wise 
um, which requires us to slow down, requires us to look at what's going on systemically. I mean, yeah, I mean, systemically, Ariel and everyone, we're programmed to give it all away because that's how the systems have been built. And it's the systems, as I understand, when I look at it, is a system is built on the consciousness of the time. And if you think about most of our systems, slavery, um, you know, consumerism, domination, all that stuff. So I really feel like it's our job as starseeds to, to create the new way of a sustainable planet by upgrading our own systems and questioning everything for how do you build your business? Are you building it in a sustainable way or do you run it in a way in which you're overgiving and self-sacrificing and draining yourself? That's no different. I mean, it's, it's different, but it's directly correlated to what we're seeing happening to the planet. And so we, I don't know how to fix everything on the planet out there, but I do believe what Gandhi, Gandhi is quoted as saying, be the change you wish to see in the world. I don't think it's just a refrigerator magnet. I actually really think it's a directive for life. Just like Jesus is quoted in saying, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Like those are, those are, call them imprints, call them whatever, but those are like, those are tr- like those feel like truth to me. They feel like this is a directive for how to live your life, and the self-sustainability piece of never serving from your reserves. That's a practical way. Self-love is a practical way to break this down. And I think we have so much power to change, to change this world, to be sustainable, and to and to and to live in a world that's heart-based. But we have to be willing to go deeper into our own hearts and take a stand for self-sustainability and build our families and our design our lives and make choices around that. And that's daring, and that takes a lot of courage. Oh, it does. <clears throat> what would you say um, about the, um, I don't know what else to, to call it, but the, the mind talk, things that you say to yourself that... Mm-hmm maybe aren't so kind, you know, it's like we do, you know, mm-hmm. oh, oh, you idiot, look what you just did. You know, those kind of things, you know, it, it, it seems normal and harmless, but really how, how insidious is that to, you know, sabotaging self-love when, when you're kind of um, uh, reprimanding yourself for things? You want to take that one, Lee, and let everyone know about their inner mean girls and inner mean sure. you know, out them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Remember, we like to have fun, Ariel, and everyone. So we do. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna bring a little fun to this. <laughs> yeah. So in our work, we call that uh, our inner mean girl or our inner mean guy. We all have them, and you know they were all born out of some. Um, some situation in our lives, usually pretty early on, but they can be born at any time, um, that we really needed to be protected for some, from something. And so when we work with people, part of our self-love work is to really, and Christine mentioned it just a little while ago, about identifying these two forces within us, because at the same time that we have this really loving truth that resides within us, that we, we, we name the inner wisdom where in our work, um, we also have this inner critic that we call the inner mean girl or inner mean guy. And we have to be in relationship with those because in what you just said, you know, oftentimes they show up as very critical voices towards us, but they can also show up as, um, you know, habits or sort of, you know, cheerleading ourselves off the edge of something, you know, just like eat that, eat that cookie or put it on the credit card or whatever. It doesn't always have to be negative. Oftentimes it is. 
um, or I have a very um, a very silent inner mean girl, and she causes me to isolate. So she does it, and I don't even like. Sometimes it's so insidious that I don't even notice it until like I'm like, oh my gosh, when was the last time I like I, I hung out with my friends or I did something fun, you know? And and the the key is to be in relationship with them because there's information there, and they've been like asked to do this job. I like looking at it like this, like you know, when you're three years old and when our brains can't make sense of what's happening around us, we have these parts of ourselves that are born that we're just like, okay, I never want to feel that again. I never want to experience that again. And so that inner critic is born that comes on the scene and kind of like says, like, okay, I'll help you with that. And then now, you know, flash forward and you're 45 years old, and that inner mean girl is still on the scene doing the same. Type Type of behavior that you asked her to do, you know, when you were three years old or whatever, and it's just expired behavior, but she's still trying to protect you. And so it's really good to be in relationship with her, and we have a really fun and playful way to do that. We draw them out, we give them names, we give them theme songs, and once they become like actual, real, visual, um, creatures that you can be in relationship with, like it takes so much of the power away and it also gives you an empowered way to be like, oh, when that particular voice shows up, like Christine says, like, oh, you know, mine show up in particular times of my life or different things when things when stresses are happening in different in different avenues of um of just places in my life, you start to understand like, oh, oh, that's my inner mean girl. Oh, wait, what's happening? I'm really being stretched now. I'm really being stretched in my career. Or, oh, I'm really, you know, fearful or nervous about this thing that's happening in my life and noticing when they can't come on. And then we have all kinds of tools that we use from preventative care to emergency care, which is, again, asking for what you need. So, you know, part of like that receiving piece is like understanding when you're under attack from these critical voices and being able to say like, you know, Christine and I will call each other and say like, hey, I'm having an inner mean girl attack and this is what she's saying. She's telling me that, you know, I don't have any business doing any wor- this work on the planet. Who's going to want it? Blah, 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 blah. And she can hold space for me because we're speaking the same language. And then she can help me get to the loving truth with some of the other tools that we teach and be like, Lee, what's, what's the truth here? And I can drop in and be like, oh, this is my inner mean girl who's speaking and actually the truth is like I'm just really afraid of blah 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 and and noticing what comes up so um, but being able to we call it a love line you know and that's some of the tools that we teach is and, and, and I think as as starseeds and maybe even as like women starseeds I don't know what your community is made up of um, but it's really hard to ask for what we need and so that's part of the work too is understanding and having a language for how these things show up for you how those in, that inner critic shows up also how your own inner wisdom shows up so you know she speaks to us on different channels or he speaks to us on different channels whether we're auditory or we feel it in our bodies and so really understanding I think Christine mentioned it like our operating system so that we can you know be clear and sometimes they say the same thing I was just doing an exercise with myself this morning where the same sentence could have come out either way and it could have been an you know an inner inner critic being really hard on me or it could have been my actual inner truth saying like Lee this is real and you need to address it versus like, Lee, this is real and you need to address it. It was like, I realized it was like actually this, even though I don't want to hear it was actually my, my loving truth coming through that I had. And I wrote it down on paper. I looked at it and I was like, yep, that's actually my inner wisdom speaking. And in other situations, it could have been my inner critic, but, but I felt it in my body. And that is one of the critical pieces that we teach how to understand when your truth is speaking versus when it's the inner critic and, and the relationship between the two. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yes, yes, it does. So um, you are um, um, projecting that if uh, parents would learn 
what mm-hmm. truly is to to be self-loving and they raise their children and then their children raise their children so you think mm-hmm. within three generations every child that's born will be um, better off because of this yes <laughs> um, absolutely. The, we'd like to, to kind of think of it. I'm, I'm sitting upstairs um, looking at the, at the sun setting, and it's shining into um, um, my bathroom upstairs here. And I have this, um, this, this, um, this, have you ever seen like that hot felt? It's like, like felt, uh, boiled felt. It sometimes comes from Indonesia or Nepal, and I have this, this piece that's all these hearts, and they're like maybe 11, 12 hearts, and they're all different colors, and it goes vertically down my wall. So kind of like a rainbow of hearts, if you can imagine that, made up of this like boiled felt. And every time a friend of mine or somebody that I know has a child, I send them this string of hearts. They're all threaded together. And I send it to them to um, put near their child while it's sleeping to remind them that one of their jobs as a, as a parent is to keep that thread of love alive. And what I always say to them is I said, look, you can't, I I believe, I don't believe, I believe that I can't stop a a child from having what we call a love crack happen. So love crack is like, imagine it this way, the way kind of we teach it in the world of self-love. As you come into the world, like you're a big star seed, full magenta heart, so pure love, like I'm so excited to be here, like I'm going to give my gifts, we're going to have a party, it's going to be wonderful. Maybe you, like I, forgot to read the small print um, on the brochure before I (laughs) came down and embodied. And then you meet someone who's been here for longer. Maybe it was, you know, someone was mean to you. You had a, I mean, you had a challenging parent. You had a challenging teacher. Like that pure heart was met with anger or shame or, or something that, that caused it to what we call crack. There was like a fissure or what we call a love crack. And that love crack is where fear comes into the heart and it starts to shift that vibration of the heart from 100% love to now it's 80% love, 20% fear. And just, you know, depending on how, how you know, challenging your life was, depends on how that, how, how how much that gets shifted and then our path back to right remembering who we are is the path back to love to return that heart to its purest form that is the path of self-love and so i believe and we have a, a class we do every spring called raising children to love themselves for this very purpose that we can't we can't i don't know that this world on the earth will ever be a world in which we can pro- prevent love cracks from happening i think it's part of the dealio coming here um but what we can do is we can teach our kids how to when that love crack happens and or as they get older and it happens because they're being bullied or they get broken up with or they have a they give a bad grade on a test or lee can talk to this because she she has this with her son ryan um you can slow them down and teach them how to fill that love crack in with love and any of the varieties of love. There's 10 different kinds. You can help them understand how their inner critic works, how that voice that wants to protect them works so they can discern. And this starts as early as six um, is when those two voices, those two forces start to separate. And this was work we've tested it in girls as young as six all the way up to 86. And if just think about that for a moment. If someone had taught you how to, in the moment you felt fear or you felt alone or you felt left out or you felt stupid or you felt bad about your body, if they had had the tools as an adult to actually instead show you how to source love in that moment and fill that love crack in and give you language for what was happening so it wasn't happening to you but it was something you could use to transform, think of that world. And you had learned that since you were seven 
or six, and think about how that would have informed your choices in relationship, in money, in career, in everything pretty much in our lives, because self-love is a practice, a path, and a choice. But without the language and the tools and the understanding ourselves, we can't do it for our children. But if they can grow up that way, then, then they have it when you can't be there as a parent or a grandparent. And that's what we see a lot of, like, grandparents are taking it to their grandchildren, um, as well as conscious parents are taking it to their kids. Uh, and it is so important because there is uh, there, there's so many um, know, it's like holes in the ice <laughs> where where kids can fall through whether it's you know peer pressure at school or mm-hmm. uh, spending too much time on their devices or you know the all the things the toxins in the world the pollution and all these things that um, yeah, children need to be able to um, see that for what it is. Yeah, especially well, we need, yeah, kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially when we have to keep them in their bodies and we have to keep them connected to their hearts. So, so many children that we've worked with, we've done pilots at schools and some different things. And when I talk to a middle school girl or a middle school or high school girl, we ask them. The you know, questions about how they feel in their body, they can't even tell us what their emotions are. They're so disconnected from their bodies and their hearts, like, forget about it. <laughs> Even if they're kind and compassionate. And, I mean, I mean, Lee, I think you have a good example of, we, we, we joke, we call, <laughs> joke with, um, so Lee has a single, she's a, she's a, she's a, um, a son, and I call, we call Lee Druid number one, and we call him Druid number two, because they're, they're very, they're both starseeds, and they're both very earthbound. And, um, and you know, I think, that with the the piece about about um your son and the anxiety and the pressure that mm-hmm. we're seeing kids face right now and without these tools that are embodied in heart based they just get all spun up in their heads like way more than you know we ever did as kids and you know you you've, you've told me several stories about that um be with your son with Ryan Yeah it's um hello are you still there Yeah yeah Oh, sorry. <laughs> it hurts, hurts me hanging up. Um, yeah, so, you know, I kind of keep this list for myself called, you know, not on my watch. And one of the things that's on my list is seeing these kids that are just in anguish over having to try to have their lives figured out when they're 15, 16, 17 years old. And um, for me, it started with my son when he was, well, he's 16 now. And so this was, I don't know, two or three years ago. And he was melting down because he just didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. And there's so much pressure around that and being able to sit with him. And um, and I think one of the things that, you know, we talk about a lot at the Path of Self-Love, and, and I'm sure you probably do in your own community as well, is like the difference between holding space for somebody and actually bearing witness and reflecting and mirroring to them what their experience is versus trying to fix it. And we're a society of, of, of fixers. We want to help. We want to fix. We want to we, we, we want to get in there and we want to help. But one of the tools as a parent for me with the self-love work is it, it really helps me slow down and step back and hold space for him to actually do his own processing and come to his own truth that, like, oh, he doesn't actually have mm-hmm. to have it figured out this, right now. Um, and, and I always tell Christine, it's like, I, just, I can still definitely get into my mom, you know, lecture hat mode or whatever. But but when I'm actually able to really, like, drop into presence with him, um, we always have these conversations at, at the end. And so we're able to, like, like we've talked about this whole call is, like, being able to use common language and talk about things for really what they are. And he really receives that and responds to that. And most times if I'm able to drop into my presence and able to just, like, be there with him as an actual just 
being versus trying to do anything besides just hear him or reflect to him. He almost always is like, I'm so glad we had this talk, Mom. Even now at 16, he's just like, or he'll tell me now. He'll be like, Mom, this is what I really need from you right now. I need you to hear what I'm saying and not try to, like, tell me tell me what to do or anything. I'm like, oh, thanks for reminding me. And I stop and I slow down, and then he gets to say what he needs to say. And then it's like, oh, it's like this breath of fresh air that has been, been you know, breathed into the space. Um, but it's amazing, you know, Christine and I were able to do a workshop with some kids a few years ago, and and I could not believe the pressure hearing from their mouths and seeing their bodies be like so tight. And I've had some friends whose kids have gone off to college and then they're melting down because they don't feel like they're in the right place and they, they don't know what to do and the parents don't know what to do because they're like, everybody's, you know, at that point, it's like the, the, the perfect storm has happened and and the kids are disappointed and the parents are disappointed or the parents were hurt for the kids and the kids feel hurt and they don't know what to do. And I think a lot of it just stems from not having these meaningful heart-based conversations and getting them aligned with themselves and, and like Christine said earlier, trusting themselves to make, you know, making a choice that's different than like the, the, the swirl of the population that's coming up around you. Those are hard and courageous decisions to make. But if we teach our kids how to lean in and listen to themselves and know themselves really well, they can make it even if it's hard. And and I've I've actually had my son say that to me before where he's come home from school and he's had to make a decision and, and he was kind of doubting himself and he said he said, Mom I give, I make decisions for other people all the time. And this one time today, I chose myself and that's okay. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, like step by step by step. But like he knows himself really well. And I think he just like, he can feel into it and be like, this is, if I don't make this choice for myself, I'm not, I'm not going to be happy or I'm not going to be, you know, satisfied. And so um, those are conversations that he and I have been able to have and giving him tools and language to be able to do that has been so empowering for both myself as a parent and also just seeing him be so um, rooted in him himself and who he is. Well, <laughs> uh, when he gets older, that's when he'll really understand what a gift Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes. it, it, it does take takes kids a while to really appreciate their parents, but I think you've got a, a really good head start um, before you don't have to wait till he's you know married and out of the house. Mm-hmm. So that is that's wonderful. So that's, um, that's, I was just going to say, um, what were you Ariel, say? that's for everybody. That so what we're talking about is when I say self love is a practice, a path, and a choice. That's the choice part. Like what we're talking about is teaching ourselves and our children to make choices that keep you true to yourself, which means you're true to your heart, which means you're true to your mission, and to trust yourself. I mean, that is the foundation in what what Lee just said of rooting into the self with a capital S, into the heart, deeply into the heart and into the into the body and so this is we we, we talk about you know, self-love is an embodied thing it's not a it's not just a meme or a hashtag um it's 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 embodied capacity to know in the moment how to make the choice from that center of love and i think that's what we're here as starseeds to do um and i think it's a it would be crazy to think that we're not going to get swayed off of that and so how do we make sure we have the tools to get back to the heart, get back to the heart, get back to the heart, get back to the heart? Yeah, and know when you're, when you're out of alignment with your heart mm-hmm. because a lot of people can walk around, you know, lopsided 
and not really realize it until they hit a bump. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just something that's it's ongoing. Like you said, you just don't learn it and say, okay, that's done, and now I go on to something else. It's a, it's a lifelong practice. It is, and that, that alignment piece, you know, it's, it's, that's why on February 13th we ask everyone to stop and pause and, and you know, take a, take, a self-love, take a self-love check-in. So it's like you can, one of the things that we host every year at the Path of Self-Love School, we, we host, you know, an ability you can go there and take the self-love quiz and you can, you know, see where you're weak and you're strong and you can get the self-love kit that actually helps you identify where you're weak and strong and then helps you cultivate a promise and a practice that you could use for the whole year to really support you. So we kind of really break it down, and those are two things that we do every February for the, the community. And I know that um, we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of people do it. And, and my for myself this year, I'm very clear on what my self-love promise is. I have it I have it written down right here, which is I promise to savor what I am receiving. And that promise for me, that word savor, and I, you know, I just used it the other day. I do a lot of retreats for, for women and different leadership retreats and um, realignment retreats and harmonizing retreats. And I was just doing a leadership retreat two weeks ago, and I was had so many things going on, my new book, my podcast, this and that, and I was like not – I was like – and I was like almost like, you know, kind of like I was present, but I was like thinking, oh, I should take I get my next podcast out or I have to do this. And, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't savoring the fact that this leadership retreat, which I had wanted to do for five years, was actually happening. And when I called that self-love promise in, I promised to, you know, savor um, – I promise to – it's, it's my new promise. I'm still remembering it. Um, I promise to savor what I'm receiving I was able to slow down and be like, wait a second, this, this isn't just about me showing up and leading this great retreat for these people, which is part of it. I'm here to receive, too. This is a dream of mine that I've wanted for five years and to give myself the space to not think about a podcast or think about anything else for those four days that we were together was actually not just a good thing to do as a facilitator, but more importantly was a gift for myself of like, no, this is happening. I'm going to really receive that this dream I've had for five years is happening in form. And that's part of what I think we have to do as starseeds because we can be so visionary and we can see what you know needs to happen, but if we don't savor what's happening. And now I have that written on my, um, on my yearly vision altar, which is a practice we do in my, my feminine wisdom school, which is a, a different school in addition to that path love school, but I put it written down there. So it's written and I, I just looked at it and I'm like, I'm going to practice this all year long. And that is a, a the big piece of actually the receiving part, which we keep, you know, kind of coming back to again and again and again. So I hope that everybody will take that practice of receiving with you and really consider, you know, your own self-sustainability. And it's, it's our focus It's for the year, probably next year. It's my focus for this next book series. It's, I mean, the, the epidemic of overwhelm is, you know, hitting kids as young as eight. And, you know, it's pretty much everybody I know. And, um, and so it would just... These are some of the tools, as simple as just taking time to see where you might, what, what self-love promise you could make to yourself this year and then keep it all year long as a way to keep, help you make that choice for self-sustainability and self-love. Well, this has just been such a very important show, 
in um, opening a, a subject that most people probably don't actually think about a whole lot. And um, I want to just kind of recap a little bit here. Your website is pathofselflove.org. And are, are your books available there? The books are um, they're all available there, um, and you can get them at any books, you know, bookstores and at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and stuff as well. And then also, if you want to um, take the self love quiz to see where you're strong and weak, you can go to selflovequiz.com, and then the full self love promise kit, um, which is you know, take, it kind of leads you through that process. You could go to selflovekit.com, and those will take you directly to either the quiz or to the to kit the kit. In addition to the overall website, which is path of selflove.org, which has all of our classes and everything else on it, including our upcoming teacher training and the Year of Self-Love, which starts in March. Excellent. And um, you have a weekly podcast. Uh, how can people find um, Feminine Power Time? Yes, I, I love my podcast, and I'd love for you all to come <laughs> to, to visit it. Is it is um, it's, I love my podcast. It's called not just because I love it because I'm talking. I mean, I love to I love connecting and creating a space to um, to really tune into yourself. And so it's called Feminine Power Time. Turn off the chatter. Tune into what matters, and it's for women and for men. And you can just go onto your podcast app, whatever it is, on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, and just search for Feminine Power Time. And my name is Christine. Arilo, A-R-Y-L-O, and that, that's the easiest way to do is just subscribe through your podcast app on your phone. But you can also Google um, Feminine Power Time or go to FemininePowerPodcast.com, and if you sign up for the podcast, I usually send out one or two um, emails um, or announcements each month on the podcast series. So you can also go to FemininePowerPodcast.com um, and, and sign up for it there or get it on your podcast app, and it's a weekly podcast. Well, excellent. I want to thank you both for bringing so much and such an important topic and all the things that you have to offer. And um, we look forward to having you back on when your next book comes out because that sounds like it's going to be a, a big one. Yeah, thank you. I would love to, to come back on. I'll be out this fall, and it's great to be with you all. Yesterday was my ten hours of power, so I'm actually sitting. <laughs> I'm sitting in my in my in my space upstairs where I have retreats and stuff, and I was up here doing my ten hours of power. Just ended yesterday at eleven thirty-eight, so I feel like I get to like be with all of you just as I'm coming out of my my hours of power. So that feels oh. like a special gift too. Excellent. So that. Uh that makes you a, a, a galactic degree Aquarian, bringing in the new, <laughs> bringing in yeah, the new. I was like, yeah, three and a half weeks early. <laughs> get me in, get me in. Time to get in there. So yeah, it was early. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, Christine and Lee, thank you both so much for being with us this evening, and we do encourage. Uh, our listeners to check out your work, your books, and and get on that path of self love as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you Arielle so much, everyone. Thank you. You're so welcome. And um, just to remind our listeners, we will be back two weeks from tonight. Um, what did I say? That was March 4th. I did I did the math earlier, and now I forgot what I said. Um, yeah, March 4th um, will be our next podcast. 
and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in the future. So um, from all of us here at StarseedHotline.com, thank you so much for listening. Check out pathofselflove.org, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. So thanks so much, ladies. Okay. Okay. Bye, Bye -bye. everyone. (laughs) Bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 